You're listening to Adoption, Fostering and Tea from the UK's LGBTQ plus adoption and fostering charity, New Family Social. Find us at newfamilysocial.org.uk. I'm Tor and this week I'm going to be having a cup of tea with Alex and Chris and we're going to be talking about family finding. Hi both of you. Hello. Hello. Yeah, it's so lovely to have you here. Thank you so much for agreeing to do the podcast. Oh, well, thank you for having us. It was a treat to be asked. <laughs> I'm delighted. Um, so at the moment, you are both at the family finding stage. And I really want to talk about that because it can be such a complicated time. But I guess just to rewind a little bit, I wonder if you can give me a bit of the history of kind of how you got to this point and tell me a little bit about yourselves. So uh, my name is Chris and uh, we've been talking about adoption now for a number of years. Wanting a family and having a family has always been part of our plan. We've been together now for 16 years. 16 years. (laughs) Wow. Uh, (laughs) We actually just celebrated our seventh year wedding anniversary. Seventh year wedding anniversary. Wow. Every now and then, obviously. (laughs) Um, It flies past. Yeah, absolutely. And it, I think it's always been part of, our, uh, you know, what we've seen as being a part of a family. Initially, we went to a few kind of seminars, um, a new family social one. What, what was the other one we went to? Uh, we attended an event through an adoption agency who we didn't actually end up going with in the end. But these that was quite early days, wasn't it? And then I think after those, the new family social open day event was the first kind of exposure we'd had really to um, adoption or fostering and it would just put a lot of thoughts in our minds and we had a kind of a six months to a year I think of actively looking at websites and looking at our local authority resources but then it stopped for a while didn't it we did have an experience of an open day of another adoption charity as I say and I don't know, we came away with just a slightly negative feeling afterwards and it didn't stop us in our tracks, but it just made us pause, pause. Yeah. And then, of course, COVID happens and all sorts of things then become pressing issues and priorities. But it was actually then during COVID that we started to really think seriously about it again, whether that be because we were spending so much time together. And I think we all at that time had a great opportunity to sit and kind of reevaluate our lives and yeah it was during covid that we really then started to think about it seriously again and we started to do a bit more research and found the adoption charity that we're now with and so when you were doing that thinking were you thinking about other routes to parenthood or did you ever consider other routes to parenthood so i guess i'm asking were you thinking shall we become parents or not or was it specifically at that point that you were thinking shall we adopt or not I think it was always about adoption for us. I think we talked a little bit maybe about surrogacy or whether that was a potential route for us. But I think adoption was always where we saw ourselves going. I don't think there was any, there was, you know, financially the surrogacy is very expensive and that wasn't an option for us. And, you know, we felt that we could offer a, you know, a loving home for a child or children via adoption. So I think that's once we agreed that, yes, we wanted children and yes, let's go for this. It felt very natural that adoption was the step for us, I think. Yeah, absolutely. And and I think lots of people do say that the going to adoption is their first choice for parenting, which is really nice to hear because I guess traditionally and before we were talking about LGBT people, it was often that for heterosexual people, it was because they couldn't conceive a child and having tried, which is obviously all wrapped up in letting go of that as a route and then starting a new route. Whereas coming to adoption as a first choice, there's a simplicity to that. 
So I found it really interesting, actually, during the assessment process, whilst we were working with our social worker. And of course, we're asked why we've landed on this particular path to being parents, um, going down the adoption route, as opposed to surrogacy or um, any other route. And I, I felt at times that I was almost feeling bad about the fact that um, I didn't have this urge to be biologically related to a child. It was never like that for me or for Christopher. It was more about providing a loving home and being parents. And I don't know, adoption just felt very much for both of us like it was the right choice for us and it fulfilled all of our our needs. And in doing so, um, we could put our full focus into hopefully fulfilling the needs of children who are in need at the moment. And also, I think the it, the biological thing has never been a question for us, really. We've never sat down and had that conversation. It, it's never crossed our minds. You know, adoption, that set, seems the most obvious route to us. And thank God, uh, you know, thank goodness that that's open to us as a community now. Mm. We both felt the urge to be parents, but we both accepted the fact that we weren't necessarily concerned about the biological connection, if that makes sense. It's interesting, yeah. isn't it? Because I think, like I say, to begin with, I felt almost bad saying that but actually I think it's part of our journey as LGBTQ people that uh, throughout a lot of certainly my childhood I grew up not really thinking that I'd ever be able to even have a partner who I could walk down the road with and be visibly in a relationship with let alone get married let alone have a family and I don't know whether for me that's been inbuilt into me not to have this desperate need to have a biological connection with a child or whether it's just I don't know. It, it's a it's something that I pondered on a lot. And I think in my case, it is to do with the fact that what I would have thought was possible as an adult when I was a child is so different to now all the options that we now have available to us. And I found that really kind of revealing during the assessment process. Yeah, I recognise what you're saying, actually, because when we do training with social workers and other adoption professionals, I think amongst non-LGBTQ people, there is a perception that things are fine now and things are way, way better now. But you don't have to be that old to have grown up under that shadow. So under Section 28, under don't ever say it out loud when you're a teenager, under things like, you know, Elton John's husband being written in kind of speech marks to just show the derision with which that was held in. And mm. just this this whole thing. And I think that then when people are saying, how did you come to parenthood? How did you decide this? Actually, yeah, for some of us, it took a while to think it might even be a possibility for us and a really positive possibility and within the context, as you say, of long-term and visible relationships and so on. Mm, I agree. I, I certainly know from growing up, you know, I'm 44 and growing up was a very different time to how it is now. You know, I remember the 80s very, very well. You couldn't be yourself. I, you know, I'm fr I was from a very working class family in a working class, um, class area. And you, there was no visibility. And I guess it also leads to the other question is, what is a parent? You know, what is a family? What makes a parent and what makes a family? It's not always the biological connection, is it? It's about everything else that comes with that. And I think for us, it was never been a question for either of us, really. And adoption was, you know, once we'd started doing our research and we knew what we could offer and we knew what we could bring to potentially one or two children, we went with that, I think, mm. didn't we? Mm. Yeah. So you've been approved. How long ago were you approved? So we went to panel in May 2022 and um, had a really lovely experience, actually. I think 
generally across the board, most people say that their panel wasn't quite as bad as they were anticipating it to be. <laughs> we had such a lovely group of people and it was held remotely, obviously, because we're still in a post-COVID era. And yeah, we had a great experience with panel and um, got through that and were then set up with a family finder through our adoption agency about a week later once everything had been signed and sealed in on paperwork. I mean, I'm dead glad that your panel wasn't as awful as you thought it might be. And yeah, I hear that as well, that people do get really nervous, understandably, because it's a very, very strange thing to go into. But I'm glad that it was all right. So you're now in that weird stage where at any moment the phone could ring, at any moment that profile could become visible to you. Can you talk me through a bit about how family finding has been so far? I guess you're a couple of months now from approval. It's interesting as well, actually. I think just going back a step from there, I mean, I don't want to say that it's, you know, been totally easy because it hasn't. There's been lots of references and lots of talking with social workers and, you know, lots of self-reflection, which actually has been really lovely. But we haven't, I don't know whether it's just the way we're approaching it, but we haven't found the whole process as daunting as we were expecting it to be. You hear people say, oh gosh, it's a very long process. You know, the the social workers come to the house and they're um, asking you questions about your history, past partners, you know, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And we never... I don't think either of us ever felt that we were going, you know, having a hard time. Maybe it's because we've got wonderful social workers and that's what's made the um, experience a lot easier for us. But we've never found one moment to be daunting or make us go, are we doing the right thing? It's been a fairly, maybe as well, we're very self-reflective and we're quite empathetic. So, you know, having the ability to talk and, you know, reevaluate our lives and talk about things that have happened to us in the past that are now, have turned us into the the men we are today. We've actually really enjoyed the process. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not going to call you weird, but I am thinking. (laughs) It's, It's like, free therapy in a way isn't it you know because you, you spend such a lot of time talking about your past and looking back and reflecting and thinking about your relationships with your own parents and your support group and your family and I think actually and I've said this to our social worker I've never felt as close to Alex as I feel now having shared the last year together and, and talking about one another's histories and mm. you know learning more about each other so our relationship has never felt this strong Um, But also my relationship with parents and, you know, my sibling, my brother um, and and other family members, it's really strengthened all of those relationships. And I think that works for both of us. And then that then carries on into the family finding experience. And again, I think we're very fortunate that we've got a, a brilliant social worker and a brilliant family finder working for us who have been hugely supportive and kind and warm and all of the above and so far it's been more of an exciting um, experience than feeling daunted if anything we're you know we've, we've we're trying to be very realistic aren't we as well I think that's the thing we, we know that this is going to be a long process we know that there are other adopters out there who are looking for children and we know that we're going to be showing interest in children that other adopters are also showing interest in and I think we're trying to be very real about that aren't we yeah I, I think like um, you say the throughout the assessment process there was a lot of introspection and there's I mean there's not many opportunities in life as an adult to sit back and really go over such a long period of your life in such granular detail. But then when we got to panel, it seemed like there was a real gear change for me, or for both of us actually, because 
um, it was no longer specifically about us. It was suddenly flipped and very much about these children that we were reading about on the profiles. So after a week after our um, panel date, we were set up on a website called Linkmaker, where we get to post a profile essentially where uh, family finders of children can read about us and then we can do the same thing about children from local authorities across the country and the first moment we logged on to Linkmaker and that first moment when we saw pictures of real children as opposed to case studies or made up children that we'd kind of uh, used as part of the assessment process that was a real kind of emotional moment for me and probably the first time I suddenly had that heart skip a beat moment because yeah it suddenly felt very real then and yeah I think from that point on we've like um, Chris says we've just tried to keep it very level-headed and reading the profiles trying to keep what we've learned in mind at the same time as sticking close to what we feel comfortable with and I think that's very important I can I can understand that and so I think it's quite a tricky time though isn't it because there's so much going on and like you say you're sort of it's starting to become real that this is going to result in a real child so the first child that I had I gave birth to and I was actually in labor and they pushed a cot into the room and I was like oh my god <laughs> I suddenly realized there was going to be a human in that cot imminently and it just it just hit me between the eyes. You'd have thought the massive pregnancy and, in fact, being in labour would have given me a hint, but it was the arrival of the cop. <laughs> oh, no. Um, so I guess that was your equivalent moment of that, oh, my God. I think so, yeah. I mean, it's funny, throughout this process, and it's probably a strange way to think about it, but I frequently felt... Uh, thought about I wonder if this is the point of conception <laughs> because usually yes. there'd be a point of conception then there's nine months usually and then you have a child at the end of it and I, I've frequently thought I wonder whether we've passed the point of conception now or whether that's still to come perhaps um it's like I say it's probably a very strange way to think about it because we're obviously not going down that route no but I know what you mean it is weird because it's you know, your family finding at the moment, that means your child or children are out there right now doing something, experiencing something in this warm weather and, you know, whatever. And it's just, it is odd to think that, you know, if you could look at it from space or something, you'd be these little dots on a map and how near are you to each other and what are they doing and where are they? And it's just, it is such a strange thing, this person that you're hopefully going to love and care for and they're going to love you and where are they? You know, they might be up the road, they might be far away. It's really strange. It's very that, surreal. That yeah. was a real moment for me, actually. Alex once said to me, we were talking about, you know, because you just sit and something will pop into your head and then you suddenly find yourself talking about children or how would you deal with that situation if we were parenting or how would you deal with children who were having experiencing trauma or grief or whatever? And Alex said to me, quite funny, isn't it, to think that given the ages that we're, I mean, we're approved from zero to seven. Yeah. A magic age for us and what we feel we can provide for best for the children is around that three, four, five age bracket. Yes. And we're also approved for siblings. And Alex said, it's funny to think, isn't it, that actually given the ages that we are looking to adopt and actually the, the timeline that is usual for, for adoption, you know, from assessment to approval to family finding, that our children are out there somewhere experiencing life the good the bad and the ugly and they're waiting for us that was a very emotional 
thing for me just to think of we've wanted children for a long time this is a huge part of our lives and to think that somewhere in the UK there are two children that are eventually going to be with us and are going to call us dad and daddy yes I found that really really emotional and that was the moment I think for me where I kind of went right okay this isn't just about learning how to therapeutically parent or this isn't just learning about neglect or how children suffer or you know the 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 processes and the legal system around adoption this is actually one day there's going to be two children knocking at our door we're going to welcome them in and then they're never going to leave ever again (laughs) (laughs) until they're old enough to go off and live their lives and hopefully we'll have provided them the grounding and the basis for them to go and have a wonderful life but it really it it became that was the moment for me became very very real yeah I understand that completely so in this kind of moment where it's not yet happened but it's going to what are you feeling kind of most confident about and what are you feeling most unprepared for I think in terms of being unprepared starting with the slightly more negative (laughs) um, I I I I, we were pre-warned about this so it probably shouldn't have come as as much as of a surprise but when we when you go through the assessment process you know leading up to panel everything is so structured we had these weekly meetings with our social worker which we loved because it was just tea and biscuits in our kitchen and we were very lucky that we could actually do it in person and not um, remotely yeah so we had this almost weekly schedule and there were activities to do before each meeting and it was all very kind of structured but then we hit panel joined link maker and entered the kind of family finding process and suddenly all of that structure just disappears overnight and it's really very much a case of waiting and at the moment we hear that there are more adopters available for than there are children at the moment which is a a slight reversal we gather from the normal trend because of covid and the delays in the court processes um, over the last couple of years so I think I was probably a bit underprepared for this much waiting around when actually the first six months, so between October and May, it all felt quite frantic, not in a, a bad way, but it, it felt as though everything was moving at quite a pace. And we kind of thought, oh, this is good. This is We've got our weekly meeting scheduled for the next nine weeks. Then there's a panel date that's been set um, and we knew about for, well, I think we knew about it at the beginning of stage two, didn't we? So um, it, it was that yeah, definitely underprepared for the way it would seemingly grind to a halt, although there's stuff still happening. Yeah, it does feel a bit tumbleweed, doesn't it? Suddenly you're sort of sitting there just thinking, is the phone going to ring? Is the phone going to ring? And just then it doesn't or, you know, and it's just really hard. Yeah, yeah. I think for me, the uh, I absolutely agree that the, the, it's the waiting because we're so excited and so ready, we feel, and so eager to become parents that it is the patience is you know you need a lot of patience for me in terms of what I'm what am I most not worried or nervous about I think is that thing of and I think any parent be an adopter or somebody who's having a biological child is it's the not knowing of you know you can there's only so much prep you can do there's only so much reading you can do there's only so much childcare experience you can get actually when they're your own children and you close the door and it's you know it's it's 24 hours a day seven days a week it's just that that kind of nervous feeling of right okay there's such an unknown here for us which we're ready to tackle and we're excited to tackle and it's you know we're fully ready for that journey but i think for me it's definitely about that 
right, okay, we, we, we're as prepared as we can be, but there's stuff that we're not going to know until we actually experience it. Mm, mm. Yeah, I think it's like learning to drive a car. You, you're ever so prepped, right, until you go out on your own, and then it's like, oh, now I have to make all the decisions, you know. So, yeah, absolutely. But you sound really excited. Have you expressed interest in some children? How's that going? We have, yeah. So um, quite early on, actually, we started to see profiles that were on LinkMaker that we thought, these could be really, um, they could be possibilities for us. The information you get on LinkMaker varies quite a lot. That It is not nearly as much detail as you'd get within um, a child permanence report, which is the big document that you're hoping to try and receive from the family finder for the children. But you get usually a, a very good indication of any needs that they may have and any risk there may be of either emotional or behavioural difficulties, that kind of thing. And we, we came across quite quickly a number of profiles and um, expressed interest in them via LinkMaker. The difficulty is, I think, children or profiles stay live on LinkMaker even when there are discussions already happening with other prospective adopters. So we found out very quickly that a dis- uh, an expression of interest may actually result in radio silence and you never hear anything ever again. Occasionally, you might get a, a message through LinkMaker from the family finder for the children to say, thank you for your expression of interest. We're currently in discussion with another couple, but we will keep you in mind. Best of luck with your search. And that's been the common response, really. Most recently, we have expressed an interest in a profile that we were invited to be part of a shortlisting meeting for. Um, It's not something that we were directly involved in, nor our family finder, but they they discussed us alongside two other couples um, for a profile. And we had about a, a week of waiting around, didn't we? Unfortunately, we found out literally about two hours ago that we haven't been shortlisted. And um, that was kind of double-edged sword, really, wasn't it? It was disappointing, obviously, to hear that we hadn't been shortlisted for this profile, that because there was this glimmer of hope that we might just get that step further with these, that um, uh, we probably got a little bit too excited about, to be honest. Yeah, I'm really sorry to hear that. I can hear the disappointment in your voice, and I can understand that. Yeah, it was, it's disappointing. But then at the same time, the other flip side of the coin is that we felt really pleased, actually, that for, with this particular profile, we just got that little step further. It felt like progress, even though it wasn't as much progress as perhaps as we would like. It did feel as though there was um, a bit of progress made. And it, and we've had um, a couple of family finders have actually reached out to us based on our profile on LinkMaker to see whether we would be interested in uh, a couple of sibling groups as well. And we have had kind of in initial discussions. They haven't gone any further, but that was from our choice because the, we felt that the match wasn't right for us. I think the interesting thing, particularly about the sibling group that we found out today that we're not going any further with, is I was always slightly concerned about whether, how you would feel that connection to a profile with just a couple of pictures and a bit of writing. Yes. But, but I found it encouraging. And, and the, the great thing is, is, and I don't know why, I have no idea why, but you definitely feel drawn to a profile or profiles. Mm. And there is some, I don't know what it is, but you think to yourself, yeah, I could actually see these two boys, two girls, boy and a girl, whatever, as being part of our family and as parenting them. It's hugely, like we both, I think we're still both processing it because it all only happened a couple of hours ago. Um, And we were very excited at the prospect 
But again, I think, you know, we're trying to be very realistic about what that means. And the truth of it is, we're very much about in the, you know, we always say to our social worker, whatever happens has to be in the best interest of the children. Yes. If if the people that are, are going further with the two children from today are more suited to fulfill those children's needs, well, then that's a really good thing. Mm. Because somewhere out there, there's two children for us where we're going to be the right people for those children and we will be able to parent those children like other people won't be able to. So we're trying to, you know, great that those siblings are further down the line and, and a, a step closer to their forever home. And we have to celebrate that. You know, it, of course, it's disappointing. We want to be parents straight away. But I think we have to be realistic and know that we're not right for every child, you know, particularly with children who have been removed and, you know, we're in uh, foster care. There, there are so many needs and the history can sometimes be very, very complicated. I think any social worker and family finder who are doing the job correctly would, of course, look at what we can offer. And if somebody can offer better than us for the specific children, well, then it's quite right that they go there. It's quite right. Yeah, we had a funny thing when we were family finding because there was a child that we were very, very interested in who had a medical condition that we both had background working in that field. And the child was the right age and all of that sort of thing. And we were really, really interested and we couldn't get them to ring us back. And and I pretty much stalled them, you know. And eventually they rang us back and said, we're pursuing another family. And so, you know, again, like you, you kind of have to shrug your shoulders and think, well, you know, what will be, will be, and, and off we go. And then after we were matched to our son, or at least linked to our son, they rang us and said, it's fallen through, will you consider this child? And it just threw me, I can literally, I was outside in the car as this phone call came in, I just got back from somewhere, took the phone call, that was said, and it absolutely just kind of shook my world for a second, because we'd been so invested in this child, albeit not not based on much, but you build a fantasy, don't you, around it? And um, and then there was that. And in that moment, I explained that we'd just been linked to another child and that it felt like a really good link. And, you know, that is our son. So, you know, I'm glad forever that that's the route that we went. But it was such a weird thing. And that feeling of being very invested in a child based on the profile, I remember it really, really well. It's so bizarre. It's really strange. And it's like you just said, you know, you do build up this fantasy and you start to think, you know, you, you read a profile that said, you know, the children really like going out, being outdoors or the children really like pets or they like gardening. And you think, well, that's us. Yeah. <laughs> we're, we're that. I mean, let's be honest, we did have a trip to Ikea on Sunday and we were looking at the uh, bedroom furniture. We took oh, okay. <laughs> I mean, we took pictures of the bedroom, of the children's bedroom and they said, oh, this would fit perfectly in our room. So, yeah, which we have to do it at some point soon anyway. But yeah, we, I think, yeah, we did allow ourselves to just get that little bit more excited about this particular profile. And for whatever reason, it's not proceeding now. Like you say, Tor, I mean, you don't know actually how the discussions with the uh, adopt, prospective adopters that they have selected will go or whether we might hear about them again in the future. You just never know, do you? But it's definitely a roller coaster. We, in fact, got to the point this week where we had actually two profiles that we had been had received the CPRs for. And we kind of entertained just for a very brief moment thinking, well, what do we do if we actually proceed and are invited to kind of enter one to one discussions with both of them? What would happen in that situation? Yes, we haven't reached that situation. But yeah, we go from one minute where we've got 
choices, it seems, to now where actually we do feel as though we're back to square one a little bit with a family finding today. But then you have to, I think, <clears throat> going back to what I said right at the beginning, I think that's when you need to, and, and, and I guess it's, I can't speak for single adopters because that's not who we are. We're married, we've been together for a long time. And I think in that instance, what we do is rely on one another to, to get us through that moment. Because, of course, it's disappointing. We're, we're hugely disappointed about today, but we're there for one another. We'll make sure that we're both okay and we'll onwards and upwards. Because at the, at the back of my head, all I'm thinking is there are two children out there that are right for us and we've just got to find them. Yeah, absolutely that. And it's funny that um, you talk about like looking after each other. So a couple of times in life, once one of my parents was very ill and me and my brother agreed, we like had a metaphor for it, which was a swimming pool. And you were either in the shallow end where you were doing okay with the emotion or you were in the deep end where you were drowning in the emotion. And we agreed only one of us is allowed in the deep end at once. You know, the other one's got to then just get them back to the shallow end. And and then similarly, um, in other stuff, we sort of use that same metaphor. And it's that thing of, you know, if one's drowning, the other one's got to be throwing floats at them and trying to encourage them back for a little bit. Because if you both end up in that difficult place at the same time, it can be a bit a bit hard, really. Yeah, yeah it, that, that's a brilliant metaphor. I mean, I think that's a, that's a brilliant metaphor. You're quite right. I think it's allowing and accepting that, you know, it's not all going to be a barrel of laughs. And that's at some point, one of us is going to be feeling emotional. And, you know, there's been tears already. There were tears through the, the prep course when you read about the children. And then you go on Linkmaker. And like Alex said, the first time you log into Linkmaker and you start reading the profiles and they're not case studies, they're actual real stories of children going through hardship. To have that support and, like you say, to just allow your partner or whoever just to have that moment but be supportive is hugely, hugely important. I think it's important to recognise as well that there will be times where we're both in that deep end. And that, I think, is where our social worker and our family finder, who we met um, once we had gone through the panel process and been approved, that's where they come in because... Our social worker we have a great relationship with and she's been supportive from day one. Our family finder, exactly the same. She's very supportive, although I don't know whether it's common for family finders, but she's definitely got more of a kind of a business head on her. And she's she's acting as our head when perhaps sometimes our hearts might be leading our decisions or our, our thought processes. That being said, she was, you know, when she made the call today with regards to the, the fact we're not going further... It, what was very lovely is the fact that she called us, she didn't just email us. And actually she said, listen, guys, you know, this is, I, I know this is going to be disappointing because I know you felt a connection. So just look after yourselves. Mm. And that was really lovely. So that she, she appreciated where we were at that moment. But as Alex has just said, and I think it's quite right, she's definitely more of the, the uh, you know, the head than the heart for us. We're, we're the emotional ones and she's almost keeping us in check. She's the one throwing the live aids. <laughs> yeah, well, good, good. <laughs> um, and I think it's nice that you feel able to sort of have that as backup, you know, that you, you sort of realise there are further lines of support and you're absolutely right with that. Um, so, you know, I was on the phone to a colleague today and we we're really just debriefing with each other a little bit about some complexity that we've both been facing with our kids and stuff. And it is really nice. There are other people to, you know, throw floats at you. So that's that's good. And so I guess... At the moment, like you say, I hate to use the phrase back because it sounds so brutal, but sort of back to the drawing board thing. And so how are you feeling? What are you going to spend the weekend doing to move from what could have been a match to what won't be? 
That's a good question. <laughs> we haven't decided yet, have we? But I think, to be honest, because from the beginning of family finding, we've tried to approach it as kind of matter-of-factly as possible and tried not to get too invested too early on. And I think, to be honest, whilst we're disappointed with how it's turned out today, we'll continue looking at those um, notifications each time they pop up, knowing that at some point there will be another profile that we think, yeah, this this potent- has potential for us and something that we can envisage ourselves proceeding with if they want to proceed with us. Um, I think that's all you can do, really. And thankfully, we're kept busy still with all the child volunteering and things that we're doing, which we're carrying on throughout this process. There probably won't be a minute to um, sit down and really <laughs> get too down in the dumps about anything. Yeah, I think it does feel a little bit like back to square one, but still with a huge amount of support around us from both our adoption charity and our obviously our friends and family and being confident in the, the knowledge that at some point it will happen. I think we're going to take our dog. We've got a lovely little dog. I think we'll probably take our dog out for a lovely walk somewhere in a nice park and talk about what we've been through and how we're actually feeling and you know, as Alex just said, we've got a really brilliant support network around us who are all as excited as we are about the prospect of becoming parents. And I think, you know, we'll be able to share where we are now with them and they'll offer us some support. And we're going to go and see Alex's parents over the weekend, which will just be lovely just to touch base again and just connect with people again on on an emotional level. And, you know, the great thing about our support network is there's no judgment. And I think that's the huge, that's massively important, isn't it? You know, your support network is what you rely on. And fortunately, we're in a position where nobody's going to judge us and will allow us to be sad if we want to be sad or disappointed. And will just let us talk if we need to talk. But I think you just get that natural kind of feeling when you're with your family or friends or support network, it does just make you feel slightly more buoyant. It's interesting because I don't think whether it's been a conscious decision or not, but we haven't gone into too much detail with even our close friends or family about the expressions of interest that we're showing in profiles and things, whether we're doing that to protect ourselves just in case it doesn't proceed or um, or for another reason, I don't know. But it, it feels like it's very much something that's for us to to kind of get to grips with. Obviously, we've got friends and family to talk to, but this is something that it's for us and between us so it's almost I feel fortunate in a way that we haven't gone too overboard with the excitement and told so many people because we might have slightly more awkward conversations coming up this weekend than um, than uh, we actually do now but um, yeah. Yeah I can understand that and I think allowing yourself those nice moments those dreamy moments because it's it does become so methodical and so kind of brutal really as well that um I don't know. I think eventually I kind of cracked and started buying just a couple of bits that weren't so much furniture and things that would be very age dependent, but were just things more like little emotional things like, you know, a little box to keep things in and a little this, that and the other and just something to keep connected with that dream because it seems like everything goes quiet. You're not necessarily actively doing anything. And I, I don't know, just to kind of keep polishing the dream up a little bit to remember what it looks like and why it's so important. I think that's a really, I, I, yeah, I agree 100% with that. I think, you know, we, that is, and it is, it's a dream, isn't it? You know, again, going back to what we said at the start, when, when I was younger and when Alex was younger, we never thought we would be together and be able to show the world that we are in love. We never thought that we'd be allowed to get married and the fact that we can and that, and then being a parent is part of that dream. And I think, 
you know, you've got to keep that dream alive because that's what keeps you going. Mm. That's what keeps you going when it is tough and when it is back to the drawing board. It's like Alex said, it's not back to the drawing board in a bad way. We're just back to the drawing board. And, you know, I think you have to have a lot of tenacity and I think you have to be prepared for some disappointment along the way. I think it'd be unrealistic to think that it was going to be plain sailing. We've just, we've had a really lovely experience so far up until this point, but we're under no illusions that at times it's been tough and, you know, I think we're accepting of that. But I, I agree. It is about that, fan, like you said earlier, the fantasy and the dream. You've got to keep that alive because that's what drives you forward, I think. In our own way, we're doing it. We haven't yet bought anything child related, I don't think, have we? But we have started just doing... Except, doing for, the, except for the sand, uh, sand pit and the, <laughs> and oh, the yeah. tent for the garden. <laughs> yeah, but apart from that... <laughs> those are at the shed, yeah. Um, but yeah, we've been kind of doing those decorating jobs that we've both been looking at and skillfully ignoring for the last year or two and things like that so we're definitely I don't know whether nesting is a thing with adoption particularly when you haven't even (laughs) reached a point of even entering discussion with a family finder yet but um, but yeah we're definitely in that mindset and we're just really looking forward to getting to the place where we just get that little bit step further forward and we can maybe think, okay, it's two boys or a boy and a girl and start thinking about those spare rooms upstairs and what we might do with them. But for now, it's probably a good thing that we have a little bit more time about it because we have no idea how to decorate children's bedrooms. (laughs) I can talk you through exactly what IKEA storage you need and this podcast will be sorted by them. But yeah, there are compulsory issue items that you are going to need. I'll walk you through it. Probably um, says a lot that we're taking a picture of the IKEA showroom. <laughs> <laughs> I, I sometimes think that archaeologists one day will like dig up people's houses. They'll be like, "Why do they all have this set of shelves and like cubes? Why has everybody got that?" So. <laughs> yeah, so right, so right. <laughs> absolutely. Oh well, listen. I wish you absolutely all the best of luck. And do you know what I'd love is if you would come back maybe in twelve months' time and let us know because you know things are going to have moved on for you, and it would be absolutely lovely to have an update from you if you'd like to do that. I would love that. Yeah, yeah I'd Hopefully love to. And we'll have some um, good news to share with you. I hope so as well. Thank you so much. Thanks, Tor. Thanks, Tor. I'd like to thank my guests today, Alex and Chris. If you enjoyed this podcast, please leave us a five-star review and share it with your friends. Follow us on Twitter at LGBT Adopt Foster and on Facebook, search New Family Social, all one word. Visit our website at newfamilysocial.org.uk. Adoption, Fostering and Tea is produced by New Family Social. The presenter was me, Tor Doherty, with music from Matt Doherty. The producers were John Jenkins and Lucy Robbins-Dyer. We'll be back next week with more guests and more tea.